Here we go. It's, isn't it funny how you stop doing a thing for just a couple of weeks and the muscles atrophy? I, I, um, I wasn't here last week because I was preaching at a church down the Gold Coast way and I found just, just getting going with a sermon just felt like I was wearing pants that were the wrong size. So we'll see how we go. Hopefully today will be better. It's quite the introduction. It's going well. So have you noticed, maybe with me, that there is a strange phenomenon about people when it comes to uh, planning ahead, and that phenomenon is that we're bad at it. Are you, are you like me? Do you feel my pain? That long-term planning isn't a thing that comes naturally. Um, maybe a better way to say it is knowledge of what is coming in the future seems to be insufficient to get us to consistently make good decisions. This has been a theme of my life. I have a long-running feud with a guy who I call Past Matt, and that cat is actively trying to ruin my life. Um, I remember one of the semesters when I was studying my bachelor, um, where I was taking on responsibilities, taking on things that were sort of planned out to, to fill out the calendar for the rest of the semester. At some point, it did occur to me that it's not humanly possible to do all these things. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to commit to them all. And that was the only semester where I failed a subject. <laughs> um, it, ha- it just happened to be uh, I was studying uh, high-energy subjects, so I was, I was learning Greek and all of the vocabulary that comes with biblical Greek. It was the time we did the preaching course, and I had to preach like four sermons across the course of the semester. Um, I was doing theology, which just requires a lot of head and a lot of effort. And then at the end of all that, I got married. So uh, somewhere in there, I was using my spare time to plan a wedding. It didn't, it didn't go well. It turns out that knowledge of what is coming in the future seems to be, at least for me, insufficient to get us to make good decisions. It's not unique to humans. There are other creatures that fall into the same trap, specific cats in particular. If you, this, is, this is cats, right? This is, this is what they are like. They are the physical embodiment of regret <laughs> some of the time. Well, that's all relevant to us today as we turn to the book of Proverbs. I promise I'm not just having a good time up here. Um, We have been in the book of Proverbs for um, a little bit over a month now, and to summarize what has gone thus far, we've been considering wisdom. Uh, If you will, Proverbs has been a call to wisdom. Between uh, It's been a reminder uh, to choose between embracing wisdom or remaining in foolishness, in folly. And it's good for us to have done that because this, this theme of wisdom is quite different to how we tend to think in our culture. This is a very culturally Hebrew way of thinking when we read this book. Um, We have been made more in the Greek school of education. We think in categories of of true and false, which, by the way, is great. That's very important that we have those categories. The Bible does that too. Um, The Bible contains lots of truth, but the Bible also contains wisdom. And wisdom is a little bit underdone in our culture. There are a lot of highly educated people who lack wisdom altogether. They're they're, they're separate disciplines, that, even though they they speak to each other uh, in in various ways. Wisdom is truth applied with skill and with discernment. Um, It's helping those principles which we have learned to move out from our head and into our lives and our hearts and our hands. And it's a thing that we all need. It comes from above, and it is for all who ask. Well, now, starting today and for the next few weeks, we're kind of turning a corner in the book of Proverbs. It's changing tone. Um, We've come to the portion of the book of Proverbs from which it gets its name. You could say we have come to the proverbial 
Proverbs. I think that's very funny. Um, today we're looking at the Proverbs in Proverbs. Um, so if you turn with me to Proverbs chapter 10, you will, I, I hope uh, and trust, begin to be able to see the difference between kind of what the rest of this book looks like, or most of the rest of this book looks like, and, and what has gone before. Why don't we just read the first few verses of chapter 10 together? Proverbs 10, verse 1, we'll start there. It says, the Proverbs of Solomon, that's the intro, we're starting in the Proverbs now. A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. I like that one, by the way, because it's like, if he's wise, he's mine. If he's foolish, he's yours. Yeah. Verse 2, treasures gained by wickedness do not profit, but righteousness delivers from death. Verse 3, the Lord does not let the righteous go hungry, but he thwarts the craving of the wicked. Verse 4, a slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Verse 5, he who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. Can you notice here how this is different to basically the entire rest of the Bible? Um, what is happening here is that this is a different genre of writing to what we might be used to encountering. Each of these verses is a standalone thought. If you read a, a verse ahead and a verse behind to try and get the context to help you with understanding, that's not what's going to happen. These are a series of barely connected ideas, because they're not meant to be read sequentially one at a time and, and building on one another. Rather, this is just a collection of wise sayings that have just been thrown together like one of those cheap books that people put on their coffee table that's insulting Proverbs by accident. They are thoughts, one at a time, collected together for the next 20 or so chapters of your Bible. Proverbs goes right up to chapter 30, 31, is it? That is, is the last chapter of Proverbs. Until you get right near to the end, it just continues like this. You can just keep clicking through page after page, page after page, just wise saying after wise saying after wise saying. So as a result of that, preaching through this portion of the book of Proverbs needs to look a lot different from our usual preaching. Um, it's not possible for us to just pick a chapter and move our way through and get a coherent sermon out of that. Um, for a sermon to kind of make sense and for it to be useful to you, we kind of really do need to focus in on, on one or two or three things at a time. However, what we can do is take one theme from the book of Proverbs and keep reading our way through those next chapters, and what we find is that certain ideas do tend to repeat, even though they're worded in slightly different ways across the course of the book. And so when we grab a hold of one of those themes and run our way through Proverbs, um, we, we begin to get an idea of a clear message that wisdom is preaching to us and would have us consider. And so that's what we're going to spend the next several weeks doing. Um, each week, starting this week for the next sort of month or so, we're going to pull out a theme from the book of Proverbs and we're going to follow it through um, and see what it has to say to us. And then hopefully in that we all leave a little bit wiser. Does that sound good? And so what are we going to do today? Well, I'll draw your attention to chapter 10, verse 2. We just read it, but let's read it again. Proverbs 10, verse 2 tells us, Treasures gained by wickedness do not profit, but righteousness delivers from death. 
That's our main verse for today. Treasures gained by wickedness do not profit, but righteousness delivers from death. Actually, there's a number of similar proverbs that we could uh, that we could look at. This theme is actually a, a really big one in the book of Proverbs, and so here's a small selection of the verses that I found that say something similar. Hopefully, you can read that. Um, Proverbs 10:3, the Lord does not let the righteous go hungry, but He thwarts the craving of the wicked. Uh, chapter 10, verse 24, what the wicked dreads will come upon him but the desire of the righteous will be granted. Chapter 11, verse 5, the righteousness of the blameless keeps his way straight, but the wicked falls by his own wickedness. 11, 8, the righteous is delivered from trouble. The wicked walks into it instead. 11, 18, the wicked earns deceptive wages, but one who sows righteousness gets a sure reward. Uh, 13.6, righteousness guards him whose way is blameless, but sin overthrows the wicked. 14.34, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. 16.8, better is a little with righteousness than great revenues with injustice. And 18.10, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. Can you see a theme which begins to emerge? Uh, To get the best out of these Proverbs, what we need to do is is two things. Um, First, we need to understand the categories in which these Proverbs are communicating to us. And then secondly, we need to see the, the unique angle that wisdom is accomplishing here with these themes. So we begin. Understanding. What are the key themes that link all these proverbs together? Surely you can see that it is the theme of wickedness and righteousness. Wickedness and righteousness. It comes up again and again and again in all these verses. And so for us to understand what these Proverbs are saying, first of all, we need to understand what what wickedness and righteousness are. We get that information from the rest of the Bible. In your Bible, these concepts, wickedness and righteousness, are defined not merely by the outward actions of your behavior, though they are that as well, but also are defined by the heart's attitude towards God. This is what these terms mean. Another way to say it, you could could describe this as as sin versus faithfulness. Wickedness is rebellion against God, and so wicked actions are those that break His law. That's the Bible's way of defining evil, which is different from how our culture might define evil. Wickedness is something which breaks God's law, which, which rebels against the King's law. Righteousness, on the other hand, there's a word that we don't use very often outside of the Bible, um, except perhaps as an insult. If someone is self-righteous, we still say that, but it's about the only context in which we still say it. Um, Righteousness is defined by trust or faith in God who is righteous. And righteous actions are those which are keeping faith with Him. Wickedness is rebellion against God and actions that rebel against Him by breaking His law. 
Righteousness is the worship of God and actions which are in step with the life of faith. Um, We have examples in these Proverbs that I've shown you of both of these kinds of uses. These these, um, Proverbs are spoken both of wickedness and the wicked. Do you feel that difference? Wickedness is wicked actions. The wicked is wicked people. Um, So in uh, Proverbs 10, verse 2, we read, Treasures gained by wickedness do not profit, but righteousness delivers from death. These are actions that are in view here. Wicked actions can gain you treasure, but those treasures don't lead you to profit. Righteous action delivers from death. Likewise, in verse 3, the next verse down, we get wickedness and righteousness personified. The Lord does not let the righteous, that is righteous people, go hungry, but He thwarts the craving of the wicked. There's wickedness and righteousness. We can find that information all over the Bible. I could could probably preach you that message from just about any book of the Bible. See, what makes Proverbs unique is that Proverbs is not only trying to teach us the truth of what wickedness and righteousness are. It's not trying to merely tell you that wickedness and righteousness exist. No, what, what wisdom is doing, it is speaking to our hearts and teaching us how to interact with these themes as they come up in our daily lives, which they will do continually in very specific ways. What is it that we are learning here that is different? What is it that we're meant to be taking away from this? Maybe the first thing we need to say is, as we ponder these things, doesn't a question arise in your heart, which is, is this true? Is, this, is, this, um, is there a wrong way to understand this? And that's where it's worth mentioning again the way Proverbs work. The truths which they communicate, the principles which they communicate, are things which are true most of the time and are not disproved when you find exceptions to the rule. That's the difference between a proverb and a clear teaching. There are lots of examples in this life, perhaps even in your life, of where we have seen the wicked prosper and the righteous suffer, is there not? Yes, that does happen. And so we would be mistaken if we read these Proverbs and come to the conclusion that God is telling us that bad things never happen to good people. That's not it. No, rather, Proverbs is dealing with a different reality. And it's this. Knowing that these two things exist is not enough. Each and every one of us will experience the pull towards either of these polar opposite realities every day in some way. There is a constant tension in your life between walking in wickedness and walking in righteousness, between being righteous or being wicked. Some examples. You are at work and you realize that you could fudge the timesheet a little, duck off early, still get paid for the full day, and no one will ever know. What do you do? This is the pull between righteousness and wickedness. Um, You are at lunch with your friends, and they are all slagging someone off. And if you join in the playful insults, 
you will gain some measure of acceptance with the group, some kind of social standing. So do you join in the harsh parade or do you stay silent or even speak up and put a stop to it? Uh, you are stressed and you are tired and the bottle is right there that might just make it all seem better for a little while. And do you reach for that or for your Bible? You get home from work and the kids are rowdy and they just need a wrestle outside. And what you want to do is to sit in front of the screen and tune out of reality for a little while and you have to choose which one to do. Somebody near you is having a go at Jesus and you have an opportunity to stand with your Lord in public and be counted. Or you can stay silent and continue to fit in. In these moments, we are being invited to choose between wickedness and righteousness, between rebellion against our King and faithfulness to Him. And those of us here today who are worshippers through the name of Jesus know that the difference between those two things really matters. It is not irrelevant which one you choose. Sin is a big deal, isn't it? It matters to the worshipper <laughs> whether or not we are walking in faithfulness or rebellion. And now here's the heart truth. Here's the experienced reality. Here's what Proverbs is cutting to in the middle of your heart. Here's what a simple definition of sin, uh, of wickedness and righteousness cannot accomplish. Even though we know wickedness bad, righteousness good, don't we continually choose wickedness? We knowingly, each and every one of us, do the wrong thing. Why do we do that? Why do I continually do things which I know will grieve the Lord I love? Why do I continually do things which I am aware by long experience will produce regret and sorrow and brokenness as their fruit? Well, it turns out that sin is really appealing. <laughs> it's wonderful. It feels great at the time. We want to do it. And the reason we want to do it is because wickedness gives you treasure. It delivers things that righteousness doesn't deliver. It brings kinds of pleasure. It is a lot easier. <laughs> it gets you ahead in some way. It gains you access to some opportunity that you would otherwise miss out it offers you something which you genuinely desire. And so, every time one of these scenarios comes across our lap, we have to again and again make the decision which way we are going to go. Am I going to continue to walk in faithfulness towards my Lord, or will I rebel again and reach for the forbidden fruit? And here comes Proverbs in wisdom calling us and equipping us with a tool to fight that battle well. What Proverbs is saying to us is, when it comes to that moment, one of the things that you need to do is to look ahead. To realize that either of those decisions is going to have long-term consequences in your life. 
to just look up for a moment and to notice. Wickedness has a certain set of outcomes in life and in the next life. Likewise, righteousness has a different set of outcomes in life. That is such great advice, isn't it? (laughs) Like the cat with its head stuck in the tissue box, so is the person who believes that wickedness will lead them to prosper. For a time, perhaps, but eventually the chickens come home to roost. There's too many animals in this metaphor, I'm confusing them. Righteousness and wickedness have long-term outcomes. Um, God has promised eternal reward to those who follow Him in faith. He again and again promises that He sees, He knows, He understands, and He rewards faith. And likewise, God has made it abundantly clear that He will punish the wicked, that you will not get away with it, that a day of perfect justice is coming in the next life, and in this life, that will still happen to some smaller degree. When temptation comes across our path, we are choosing between immediate pleasure, followed by ruin and regret, or delayed gratification, followed by eternal reward. If only our hearts believed that every time we were tempted, how different would our lives look? Can you feel how wisdom (laughs) takes the truth, sharpens it into a knife, (laughs) and begins to appeal to our hearts to walk in wisdom? to apply the truth we know, to not just understand, but to get the best out of what we know to be true. Here in Proverbs, wisdom is speaking to our hearts and appealing with us, choose life. That is the decision that you are making each and every day. It is not merely telling us that the choice exists, but it's getting down into that moment with us and crying, look up, look ahead. Consider where you are going and live in light of that. Remember where this road leads. And for that, we can be grateful for wisdom. Ah, but there's one more problem. (laughs) I think this is going to come up again and again as we make our way through the book of Proverbs. If wisdom was enough, that would be the end of it. This is, how, this is how that story would go. We would come here this morning, we'd open the book of Proverbs, we'd read the call to, to look up and live. We can borrow that slogan from the government. Overhead power lines are dangerous, just in case you didn't know. We'd think to ourselves, you're right. That sin that I've made peace with in my life is doing harm, it's bringing ruin and regret and death. It's taking me away from God. It feels good at the time, but it's a poison. So I should get rid of it. And each and every one of us would go, you're right, I should get rid of the sin in my life. And next week, I'd have nothing left to say because we would all be living perfectly holy lives, would we not? 
Because if you were to simply crunch the numbers, do the maths, compare and contrast which one is better, the answer is obvious. Righteousness is the better reward. Live for that. Ah, but we come across the paradox of human nature. We're really bad at long-term planning, aren't we? Just because we know which things are better doesn't mean we choose them. If wisdom was sufficient to rescue us from sin, there would be no New Testament. We would have no need of Jesus. The world where we do the math, righteousness, best outcomes, wickedness, bad outcomes, we all look at that and went, he's right. We make perfect decisions from then on is a different world to the one in which we live. It's describing different people to you and me. If Proverbs functioned like the law, we'd all be lost because by our nature, we are unwise. Proverbs shows us that too. What do I do with that? (laughs) You see, the next question that comes from these Proverbs is this. Okay, I know what wickedness is and I know what righteousness is. Who are the wicked and who are the righteous? Who are the wicked and who are the righteous? And which one am I? If the difference between them were merely behavior... The wicked are the ones who do wickedness and the righteous are the ones who do righteousness. I'm in trouble. That's not good news for me. Those two things mingle together in my life in ugly ways. No, actually Romans tells us, does it not? No one is righteous in that way. If the righteous are those who perfectly obey God, then it describes not a one of us. All of us are the wicked. All of us do wickedness. Therefore, all of us will suffer the long-term consequences of being the wicked. If wisdom was enough to fix the problem, we wouldn't need Jesus. But wisdom isn't enough. Not my wisdom, anyway then comes to us the good news. The New Testament picks up this theme of wisdom and radically redefines it. When you read your New Testament, what we find is that wisdom has been personified. Wisdom is a man. Jesus is the wisdom of God made flesh. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30 and 31. Because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Do you understand that just like the law, without God's redeeming grace, the call to wisdom can only condemn me? No, it turns out that the righteous are not those who have acted perfectly 
righteously. The righteous are those who have run towards the, towards the Savior and been reconciled to God through faith in Him. We even see this in Proverbs itself, Proverbs 18.10, we read it before. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. There's a beautiful old song to that. You can get Keith to sing it to you after the service. Ultimately, the righteous are those who have been reconciled to God through faith in Jesus. And now we follow Him by faith into new lives as rescued people who live under the kingship of wisdom Himself. Today is a good day to take a look at your life, to take a look at the thing, the thing in your life which is foolishly destructive and yet you have been content to leave it there. To take a look at the thing which you have been holding away from the kingship of Jesus. The thing in your life where you know that you are in rebellion against Him and to turn to Him and receive mercy and forgiveness and to be set free in a way you cannot accomplish on your own. Proverbs 10.2 told us that the treasures gained by wickedness do not profit, but righteousness delivers from death. Righteousness is found in Him. We know what Solomon didn't. And so come. Come, not just to choose to, to live rightly. Come and live because you have received life. Come and meet wisdom Himself and in Him find redemption. Come and be set free to live differently by the power of a Creator. Come and be rescued from the consequences of folly which you deserve, and instead to receive the blessings of a righteousness which belongs to Him. Come today. It is His will that you would. Let's pray. Hmm. Our Father, You have said to us that Your Word is... (laughs) like a double-edged sword, which divides down to bone and marrow. Cuts right to the core. In your word, we see ourselves clearly. And Lord, we see our helpless need. It's not just (laughs) that I'm bad at long-term planning, my God. That I'm infected with sin. I am, by my own nature, separated from your grace, wicked. There is something in me which loves evil and hates good. I am not consistently righteous like you are. 
Father, even as we've been reading this today, you have brought to my awareness some parts of my life where you have been banging that gong for a long time and inviting me in to be healed and to be made new. And in short-sighted foolishness, I have been keeping you at a distance. (laughs) Praying has been difficult. (laughs) Reading your word has seemed a chore. My heart (laughs) has been hard towards you. Thank you that in your word today we see that the way in which you meddle in our lives, it, it, it doesn't come from a place of being cruel. That you're not trying to ruin our lives or to ruin our fun or to take away our joys. Father, that you are trying to rescue us from harm and bring us to blessing and imperishable joy. Would I believe your glad and generous heart towards me this morning? and come to you in faith. Father, we pray and we confess that there is wickedness in us. We confess it freely. And we ask for your forgiveness in the name of Jesus Christ, the righteous. We pray that you would heal us and move us forward along the road of sanctification to make us like you. We pray for those specific circumstances in our life where we have felt defeated again and again and again and we bring them to you now. We ask for your supernatural intervention that would bring transformation. It is only you who can do this thing. Lord, under your grace, in partnership with you, as the recipients of your blessings, Would you train us to choose well? Teach our hearts. Lord, teach our natures. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks, Matt. Let's stand. We'll respond in worship to our tender, gracious Father.